Hi, friends, and welcome to All Things Relatable, a place where stories are shared. It's hard to put a value on a story because the lasting effects it can have are often priceless. An individual's story has the potential to impact our lives in tremendous ways. My hope for you in joining me today is that this episode resonates with you and that you leave enlightened, ignited, and inspired because it only takes one moment to spark a change and leave an everlasting effect. Hey friends, I'm so excited to introduce you to my next guest, Molly Fink. Molly is a certified life coach and regressive hypnotherapist, and her mission is to show others how to heal themselves so they can live in alignment. A few years ago, there was a series of events that had a profound impact impact on Molly's life. In August 2019, Molly had her first child, a little girl. And tragically, only a few short months later, in January of 2020, her dad suddenly passed. And we all know what's coming next. In March of 2020, then pandemic hit. So if you're listening to this podcast today, it means you've experienced the pandemic that rocked our world in so many ways. Maybe you can look back and recall a positive experience and are filled with gratitude for all the ways it changed your life for the good. Or maybe you had a very traumatic experience that was filled with tragedy and grief and loss and darkness. Or maybe it's something in the middle. Today, Molly and I are going to talk about some of life's highs and lows, what it was like for her to walk through some of those dark times and how she invited in healing. Hey, Molly, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for being here today. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. I'm sorry, I did not mean to cut you off. I'm just so excited. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) The feeling is mutual. I can't wait. So I'd love to back up a little bit. So can you take us back and talk about what was life like before you had your daughter? That's a great question. So I was, that's a really funny story. Since I've been much younger, I knew I was going to be pregnant with my first child when I was 35. Like literally you'd ask me when I was 18 and I was like 35. Like, and most of my friends actually got married in their early 20s. So you're talking to somebody that was already way outside of the box. And I woke up on my 35th birthday and I wasn't pregnant. And I was so like, I, I was just really sad. I remember the whole day I was like, how am I not pregnant? Pregnant. And then I went on Facebook and they were like, congratulations, it's your 34th birthday. And I was like, oh my I actually became pregnant on my 35th birthday. I was already pregnant. So I always crack up when I when I think of that story. Um, but life was great. You know, I was married. Um, I met my husband on a fluke trip uh, to Los Angeles. And then I ended up out here. Um, I was just, I was an actual therapist, actually. Um, but once I got to Los Angeles, I kind of was like, I want to reinvent myself. Um, and so I created a business where I took other people um, and help them figure out why they were not launching successfully. Um, and so that was my other business that I was doing. And I was just running around having a great time. My husband is a chef, so I was gaining a lot of weight, eating well, drinking well, and just having a good time. <laughs> okay. So what was it that got you into being a therapist? So again, uh, since I've been younger, I have always, I was, there's always that one friend that's the mom of the group, you know, like, what's your advice on this? What's going on? Um, and so I just, it has always appealed to me to really help other people um, and to just kind of navigate that system and just 
I've never not had a moment where I wasn't going to be a therapist. So that's always been like my life calling. That is so cool. (laughs) So yeah, you said a couple things there. You said you always knew at 35, you'd be pregnant and you always knew that you were going to be a therapist. So what were some of the things then along the way that surprised you that maybe you didn't like have that intuition or that feeling that kind of knocked you or rocked your world that you weren't expecting? Absolutely. So, um, a a lot of things actually, um, I have a master's in mental health counseling. Um, that was really my first foray into therapy. Um, I myself have a 93% hearing loss. Um, and so I've gone through years of therapy. Um, and so, when I got to my master's program, it was a bit mind blowing um, to realize that a lot of people who are in th- who become therapists, they themselves have never been in therapy. Um, and it was this dualism where I realized a lot of people who created these programs also never went to therapy or maybe did later in life, but it was not a part of their systemic upbringing. And they didn't really understand a lot of cultural um, traumas um firsthand right it's one thing to really look at someone and be like versus I've been in the gutter I know what's up I know what that feels like and so that was my first time that I went okay I really want to be a therapist but maybe not this kind of therapist um and so then I actually went into my doctoral program um for applied developmental psychology at Fordham and in my fifth year there I, I was violently sexually assaulted um, and just had a complete breakdown afterward and left my program. Uh, I really left life, I would say, pretty much altogether. I always tell people, Alice in Wonderland is one of my absolute favorite books. And the Mad Hatter says to Alice, you used to be much, muchier. You've lost your muchness. Um, and that was really how I felt about myself during that time period was I was I lost all my muchness. Um, And so at that point, once I recovered from that, even though I did have a master's under my belt and a significant amount of publishing, publishing, excuse me, for my doctoral program, I just was deeply um, dissatisfied with the way my life had gone in that. And then I um, met my husband. I'm fast forwarding here, yada, yada. But but somewhere in the back of my mind and my heart, therapy was always really the way I just knew I needed to find my own version of what I wanted for myself and to heal other people. Mm, okay. So when that happened to you and you lost your, your muchness and mm-hmm. kind of lost yes. who you are in like an instant, like that's, yes. you know, from, from before and then after and, and a complete shift. So yes what did that healing look like for you? Did you create your own kind of, I don't even know if I want to call it a program, but your own sequence to go through that helped you heal? Or did you seek outside help to kind of get you through to the other side of that? So I started out with classic training, right? Like I went to a therapist um, and what I always describe it as, I felt like I was carrying around an anvil and the anvil didn't get lighter. I just got stronger. That's how I really explain it. Um, and so I would just literally walk around with a 200-pound anvil, but I was, I was getting stronger and I was getting stronger and I was getting stronger. But 
a deep part of me felt like there has to be a way that you don't have to carry the anvil at all. There has to be a place that you can just literally set it down. And it, it's, and yes, occasionally the anvil might trip over it, something might happen, but it's not a daily part of my 24 hour existence. Um, and so that prompted me specifically after my, I had my daughter and my dad died, that double whammy um, happening within five months of each other. Uh, really just, I went like, the old program doesn't work. What What is a new program? And I need to find it and I need to find it fast. And so again, I went back into traditional therapy just because while I was looking for alternative ways, I, you have to start somewhere. Um, and a friend of mine introduced me to regressive to therapy. In one session, she healed me more than I I could have ever have imagined being healed. Um, I really was able to let go of the anvil for the first time. And so I specifically asked her to train me. She basically, I just jumped through a series of hoops. Uh, turns out I was qualified. I got trained in regressive neurotherapy, started regressive neurotherapy and realized that while I was actually healing people from their traumas, they in real time had developed severe ways to cope. So I could heal the trauma, but you were still behaving in a dysfunctional manner because you were trying to cope with the present day reality. And so I became a life coach then because I wanted to marry the two. I wanted to not only heal you from your trauma, but be able to create a situation where in real present tense, we show you how to remove that dysfunctional pattern that you've created for yourself. Mm, Wow. That sounds incredible. Like finding this, you know, I feel like that's how a lot of different things come like that are birthed is when you find something, you know, when you're going through so much pain and I mean, we've all been there that we're willing to do whatever it takes. It's like, just show me, show me what it is. And I, and I'll do the thing when you're going through that pain. So as you, you know, you tried, um, different therapies and then you found this one that completely changed your life and let you, um, heal that hypnotherapy, but then realized too, there was another piece that, that was involved going forward because yes, like you said, we get in these patterns and these programs. And if we don't work with that, then I don't know, the momentum forward can be just the the same as it always was. So I want you to talk about a little bit when you said that, like the double whammy, when you had your daughter and then your dad suddenly passed. So mm-hmm. when you first had your daughter, what was that experience like becoming a mother? It was amazing. Um, I really connected with her. Like, I'm always fascinated when people say, it's the only surprise you'll ever have, finding out the gender of the baby once it's born. Um, I literally, the second I could find out what the gender was, I found out. I remember the doctor was like, you would call us any afternoon. It was like 12.01. And I was like, what's the gender of my baby? (laughs) Um, And so I deeply connected with her inside of my womb. I knew I was having my husband. I mean, my, my whole energy was different. She really um, pervaded my entire body. And I really turned into my husband uh, by the end of my pregnancy. Um, And so funnily enough, when I had her, even before I got a chance to look at her, they cleaned her off. And the nurse looked at me and went, don't get the next one. She looked exactly like my husband also. Um, and so I was like, well, I knew I was having her. So it's funny that she not only looked like him, she had this personality. Um, and so I fell in love with it. Funnily enough, I was not a kid person. Uh, that was actually my biggest fear. 
um, was, you know, people always say to me, like, oh, do you want to hold my baby? And I was like, not really, but, you know, <laughs> thank you so much, <laughs> you know? Um, and I was like, am I not going to want to hold my own baby, you know? Um, but the moment I had her, I realized babies are just tiny people. That's it. Uh, she really opened me up to the entire world that they're just tiny, tiny, tiny people. Um, they regulate emotion. They do everything like we do. Just they communicate differently. Uh, and so now I, I felt deeply connected to all ages, all forms, because I, I felt like she clued me on a magic um, secret I had no idea existed uh, prior to having her. Um, and it was really, it was amazing. I mean, just sleep deprivation, um, learning about her, learning about myself. Um, I loved it. It just, it's really hard. You know, I don't think there's any way around that. We also don't have much family here. Um, so it wasn't, it takes a village. It really does take a village. And so that was, I think the other piece was, I was really coming to terms with the reality of that statement and that it really does take a village um, only to find out um, one morning that a deep part of my village had a heart attack out of nowhere and had passed. And so it was, it hit me very hard. Mm, oh my gosh. I just can't even imagine, you know, you bring this beautiful life. Like yeah. I never really believed in love at first sight. And then I had my son and I was like, there right? it yeah. is love at first sight. You're just like, yeah. The love that yeah. oozes, you can just fall in love with, with yeah. a little one. But yeah. I do love how you bring, you know, it's like life's greatest blessing. And it's also the hardest thing, like the sleep hardest. deprivation. I'm like, everyone that has yeah. a baby that sleeps, like, you don't know how lucky you are. Like sleep deprivation makes, um, somebody yeah. crazy. And then your world yeah. changes. Yeah. Um, like, especially for a mother 24 seven, like yeah. you are, you know, protecting and raising it. And, you know, obviously with a partner, um, you do get that support, but in my opinion, I just, I think the mother's world is completely, you know, shifted overnight. Um, so much more, I guess, maybe in my experience that, um, did you lose yourself after you had her? I've talked to so many people who, after they like have their child and it's so amazing, they kind of lose self a little bit as they transition into motherhood, keeping that part of them alive or, or maybe. So my, shifting. my PhD was actually in research. And so I will tell you before I had my daughter, I have a photographic memory. I could recall the page. You prolific reader. I had my daughter. I was like, I used to read. I don't remember that. Like what? Like what? And I was like, you're losing your mind. What's going on? So I actually, I'm going to find this study for you after we finish this podcast. But there was a study that I found. It was a longitudinal study. Um, and they took different groups of people. Uh, but what they were trying to measure was, was the gray matter in your brain. And what they found is that it only happens once after you have your first child. The gray matter in your brain actually expands by about 40%. So you are, in fact, losing your mind. Um, it, it's creating an entire new space for sound, connection, and all these things that you thought were important, like your favorite book, so like quoting Nietzsche, right? Gone, like literally in an instant. And so all these women that you're talking to were like, I think I'm losing my mind. You are. And it was so validating to me to not, to really be able to look at scientific proof that my brain has actually shifted and changed. And things 
I call it like a portal. Like once I hit about, once she hit about 18 months where I would just get like portals of information back into my brain. Like it was crazy. Like things that I'd just completely forgotten about. Or someone would say a word and suddenly like I just had an insane amount of information re-downloaded that I completely forgot existed. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Yes. I think. Yeah. Afterwards. That's so cool to know. I'd love to see that study. Cause I feel like that makes yes. so much sense. So then you had your, your little one and you said like, it takes a village and sadly your, your dad passed suddenly, like without any yeah. warning. So yeah. how did you navigate that darkness? You know, it's, you have this life that you want to share with your family and yeah. Yeah. now he's gone. Um, I was, uh, you know, I'm, I'm Orthodox Jewish. So like we go all in, you know, like you got to go, you have to mourn for seven days. I mean, it's like, you really enter another world. Um, and so it was a real immersion um, into complete shock um, and total loss. And the amazing thing was, was he was actually buried in his own. And so my entire family did show up and was able to take care of my daughter during that process. And I'm forever thankful for that. And so I really was able to deeply grieve the loss of my dad. Um, but as I said earlier on the podcast, no, I have a 93% hearing loss. Um, and so I was born in, uh, I was born in Israel, but uh, in the state of Missouri, which is where I grew up, I don't think, I, I know in early 2000s when they made it a law that you had to give children a hearing test. But prior to that, your child could be born and you have no idea that they're deaf. Um, so I wasn't diagnosed until I was two years old. Um, and at that point, they told my parents to put me in a home um, that I was never going to speak clearly and I was more or less going to be mentally incapable. Uh, and my dad just said, no, thank you. Um, she will be just as capable and just as bright as any of my other children. And so he has always been my, my North Star, you know, and I just had my daughter and I was really looking forward to sharing that new journey with him. Um, and I 100% believe that he's here with me just not having not having him in corporal form, it's just hard. It's really hard. And it was very hard when it happened. Yeah, that I didn't know that story. I knew that you said you were hard of hearing, but I didn't realize yeah. you were born hard of yeah. hearing. And what a blessing that your dad chose to, yeah. you know, raise you just as one of his other kids, right? That's and exactly right. yeah. So your dad obviously meant the world to you and means the world to you still. Yes. So um, what was your upbringing like in your family? You said you're Orthodox Jews. So was that mm -hmm. um, like from the beginning, have you practiced that your whole, your whole upbringing? Yeah. Um, we've always been Orthodox Jewish. Uh, I mean, we're from mid the Midwest. So it's casual is probably the best way. Like we keep Sabbath, but otherwise this is probably actually one of my funniest and favorite memories of all time. Um, we went to Lake of the Ozark, which is like a three-hour drive from St. Louis. Um, it's a beautiful lake. You can go boating. Uh, but we stayed over the Sabbath. And so we were singing one of our songs. And we came out the next morning. And it wasn't written. It was an actual sign that you could, like, buy in a store. And it said, we don't practice witchcraft here. It's like they were just singing the night before and like actually had a real sign that was made. They put it on the door. 
<laughs> oh my gosh, that is hilarious. <laughs> I think that really sums up my experience of being Orthodox Jewish in the Midwest. <laughs> yeah. Some people just don't, yeah, have no. a different perspective, just don't understand. Exactly. Oh my gosh, that's too funny. Um, okay, so you had your daughter, the most beautiful thing. Your dad passed away. Yeah. You had to to yeah. grieve through that. Like, thank goodness that your family came together to, to help yeah. you through that. And yeah. then, like I said in the intro, the pandemic, right? That comes yeah. a few Absolutely. short months later. So yeah. how did you navigate? Like, that was a couple of years, really. Yeah. So I always, the pandemic for me was, the biggest blessing because I literally went from being a caterpillar to just goo during the pandemic. And I always am so thankful that my poor husband, aside from my husband, who just literally saw, like had to deal with me turning into goo and like reshaping myself. Um, nobody else saw that, that experience. So people just see this amazing person who's done all this work and they, they didn't see like just the complete chaos inside of me, around me, just trying to better myself constantly, but just the pain involved. Um, and so for me, the pandemic was the greatest gift. I just felt like I just got to run around and nobody needed anything else from me except my daughter. And I just got to heal myself. And that was it. And it was amazing. Mm, I love that. I love hearing these uh, stories for me too. It was like the the greatest blessing. I, uh, yes. um, I know like that's not everybody's experience, but some people 100%. really did um, transform kind of like you said, you're this caterpillar, you know, you get in the cocoon, you see, you know, that's like a messy process that all happening, but having that space and then, you know, breaking, cracking open with these, these new wings transformed, having that time. So, you know, your husband experiencing that too, that, that can be hard on, on a partnership, right? So how did he, kind of stick beside you and deal with like all of the messiness and all of that? Well, I mean, never a dull moment. That's what my husband always says to me. <laughs> he says, I wake up to a new woman every day. And it's true. Um, so he, I, I, listen, I mean, I think he ultimately married me because that has always been my personality. I, I don't want to be the same person I was yesterday. Um, and I hope to be a new person tomorrow. And so there wasn't as though I was this stayed personality that was just like, and then I, I suddenly broke out out of nowhere. And he was like, this is another woman I married. It was more of like, all right, here we go. And now we're in lockdown. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Get to see it all in real time happening. Yeah. 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 Witness it all being in lockdown <laughs> together. <laughs> for an extended period of time. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but what a blessing. What do you feel like through that time because that was like an extended period of time. Yes, and I love how you say this cuz I'm I feel the same. I, you know, when I'm 95, I want to be a different person than when I'm yes. 96. I feel like yes. That's why we're here. It's constant evolution and growth and peeling back and peeling back and constantly evolving. Like it just never ends. So what do you feel like the biggest transformation um, was through that time? Like when you look back and think of like, this is kind of who I was then. And this is kind mm -hmm. of 
where I got led to. What do you feel like that that was? Sure. The single-handedly the biggest transformation um, for me was letting go of the reality I created for myself where these really bad things had happened and my life was bad and really coming to a place where I just saw life through a prism of real beauty and coming to terms and shifting my perspective and seeing everything that had happened until that very moment as completely beautiful. Wow. And And being able to look at it. Yeah. Through that lens, you know, through all of the ups and downs, when you can look back at some of the most horrific events and, you know, they shape us into who we are. I know like getting through them definitely is, you know, you would never wish that upon anybody, but then when you can look back with that lens of that, having that perspective definitely changes things. Yes. So for me, that was coming into that mindset was um, the biggest change I made for myself. Um, I remember there was one thing that I was struggling with in particular, probably about three or four months. And I was on my morning jog with my daughter and then it was like a stunning clarity. I saw the other side of it and why I was not receiving what I wanted. And if I had received what I wanted, how ultimately it would have probably destroyed my marriage. Um, and I remember I literally fell from my knee and I just started crying um, at just the beauty and the power of perception of reality and what we don't see behind the curtain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so powerful that, you know, sometimes even the things that we want, you know, we have to um, trust the divine timing when they're going to drop in yeah. because, 100%. you know, sometimes you're not ready for the next, the next thing yet. There's more growth. There's more lessons. There's more unfolding to happen before that, that thing, whatever it is that you're, you're hoping for. Um, yeah, yeah, shows up. So how do you, because you married these two life coach and regressive hypnotherapist, can you talk about like, what exactly is that process that you would take somebody through and why do they come to you in the first place? Like, what is their, uh, what is the thing that they want to be healed or the biggest problem that they have that I'm like, Oh my gosh, I need to see you. You need to help me. Oh man. It runs the gamut. Um, I, my gosh, I've had everybody. It's it, I've had someone come to me who just wanted her father had passed years ago. She really just wanted to heal that relationship. We just, we did a quick regressive therapy session and we really just went through her memories. Um, and we really were able to, show her from her dad's side in her memories what was really happening right because oftentimes what people don't realize is your parents are your peers now so when you go back in your memory you're actually looking at a peer even though you see the major parent in your memory and to really see them through that lens as a peer as opposed to your five-year-old self and a lot of real healing can happen in that um and i have other clients you know uh, a very close client of mine her son, um, they were heavily pushing ketamine um, for her son. She did not want him to go on any kind of medication. And so she said, you know, we have a clear history of being depressed. I want him to see you. Next week is actually our, next, our last session. We've been together for six months. He's awesome. He's great. 
Um, we just worked through some real problems he had. I showed him how to break through it, what to do, and he's in the clear. I mean, he's doing fabulous, and he will, God willing, never need any type of medication. So um, I have been hit with some really hard cases, um, and I'm very honest about with my clients. I'm going to try as hard as I can, and thank God I have a 100% success rate. I have not not been able to help anybody yet, um, which is an unbelievable gift. Um, mm-hmm. and so, yeah. And what do you think, yeah. what is it about the hypnotherapy? Like, does it go into like the body where you, where you store the trauma or your stories yeah. or like what, what is the healing in the hypnotherapy? Cause yeah. I hear about it a lot. Yeah. So regards to hypnotherapy, um, basically let me explain like this. Your brain is made up of, um, neurological pathways. Okay. And so imagine like a Range Rover, if you will, getting stuck in the mud. Okay, so the wheels are just spinning and spinning and spinning. And that's what memories are. It's just the wheels spinning over and over and over and over again. And so what I do in regressive neurotherapy is I actually create a different set of tires. And we create a slightly different memory. And you create new traction in your brain. And so when you go back to that memory, you can choose a different track and heal yourself physiologically. And that's really what I do. Oh, wow. So, and you say you have a hundred percent success rate and yeah, I can imagine some of the the hard cases that you are presented with. So how do you stay like energetically grounded or aligned when you're, you know, taking somebody through this process? So in the beginning, beginning, I wasn't at all. I think I put on about 40 pounds. Um, and it took me a while to connect the two. I was just like, this is interesting. I'm, I'm getting away. And all of a sudden I was like, oh my God, you know? I like, And so <laughs> I actually went to a, a woman who was a friend of mine and who does something completely different, but deals in energy in people's minds. And she said, you're getting stuck with them. She said, you're going into their memory and you pull them out, but you're getting stuck there. And so she gave me two pieces of advice. She said, number one, you have to go as deep into the memory with them. And I said, no. So I stopped doing that. I used to literally go all in with my clients. um, And now I don't have to as much. And it's the same impact, just not as deep on me. And number two, I'm very conscious to actually close the the, uh, energy loop for myself. So when we come out of the memory together, I actually leave with you. And so all that energy and all that space is just yours. I don't take any of it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because I'm thinking like, you know, we take on people's energies and, and being in a, a healing space like that, that, yeah, I was wondering what kind of that you had in place so that you don't yeah get locked in into that space. So that's really interesting that you do that. Um, and then you do the life coaching too, um, within that. So how do you reprogram or re retrain? Is it reprogram, retrain, like create new habits to then move forward? So basically everything you do is controlled by your nervous system. And funnily enough, well, it's not funny, but your nervous system, the only reason something feels safe to your nervous system is because it's repetitious. It doesn't actually mean that it's safe. And so anytime something else gets introduced, if your nervous system doesn't recognize it, it goes, it's not safe. But here's the thing, that's why you have dysfunctional behavior. 
not because it's safe, it's because you've been doing it so long that the repetition occurs. And so what I do with the life coaching is I introduce new behaviors, consciously prep you for the fact that it's going to feel a little bit unsafe, but ultimately you're going to see the direct impact it had on the people around you and on yourself. And then your brain goes, I like this one much better, right? It's Pavlovian and it's instantaneous, the reward. And then you go to the old one, like, I know you're safer, but I'm going to see you later, <laughs> right? Like, bye-bye now. <laughs> yes, oh my happens. gosh, that must be so freeing for the people who are are leaving your sessions. What are some of um, the most memorable feedback that you've gotten from some of your clients? I just had only one client. I have one client. She's actually going to probably come back to me in like a month or two. But And I get this all the time. And I laugh, but I know that it's true. I covered more ground with you in one session than I have covered with years in my, with my therapist. And so can you do the same work on yourself or do you have to get someone else to do this same work with you? No, 90% of the time I'm doing this work on myself. Um, I have two best friends um, from when I was living a year abroad when I was 18 who when I really get stuck, I leave them a WhatsApp message. Um, and I just kind of explain, you know, I'm stuck here. I can't figure out why. And they, but they always leave me. Sometimes they have the answer directly. Like it's actually funny today. I was really stuck on something. and I left a message. My friend got it in like five seconds. And I was like, Oh, that's so good. You know? Um, but no, about eight times of the time, I'm just clearing myself out. Oh, nice. Oh my gosh. And, and how nice is that, that in, um, a session, that you can get so far into the healing journey. So do people usually work with you for like a long period of time? Is it like multiple sessions, um, like a series, a chunk, or how does that look? So it really depends on the person. Um, So my goal is twofold. Number one, I want to give you that you can turn into me, right? That 80% of the time you're clearing yourself out, right? That's my goal for every single person that comes to me. And so with that in mind, the longest client I ever had was a year. And to me, that's an insanely long time. I don't like to see people long-term. Um, it's actually really important to me that you get in and get out as fast as you possibly can. Uh, that being said, I originally was just doing, sometimes it was bi-weekly, weekly sessions uh, for as long as my clients really felt that they needed to see me. I, about a month ago, created officially created a 40-day program. Um, I had previously done it with clients of mine who were like, I, I really want to try this because what I found was my clients would come to me and I'd have everything going. Great. It takes me a half hour to figure out what you forgot about that happened that week that triggered you so badly, right? Like we locked it down for 40 days. I mean, five days a week, 40 days straight the difference in my clients, it was unlike anything I've ever seen. It, we, they became different people at the end of 40 days. They, they are completely different because they don't have time to forget. It's, we're meeting every day for a half hour. We're moving. And we are just like, we're just, it's like a, a giant carcass. We're just like pulling all that meat out. And by the time we're done, it's literally a new person. And it's, it's magic. It's actually, I love it. Like, if I could get everybody on board with that one, I think I would um, just because the changes are so profound. Um, it's really, it's remarkable. 
That's so cool that you have that, that program available. Yeah. 40 days, let's get in, get out. Do you find people, um, as different layers, like, you know, are unfolded or different things happen that they would like step back in or like have little like touch up sessions. I don't even know if that's what you'd call it, but do you know what I mean? Where it's just like, okay, I don't this big chunk or, but there's this one thing like. A hundred percent. I mean, I, my clients, I would tell you, this is your ride, right? Like I'm just here. Um, I always really describe it as someone who may be hard of seeing and he's a, a seeing eye dog, right? Like you're telling me where you want to go at any point. If you're like, I see again, fabulous. I'm, I'm not here to be like, Oh, I, I don't think you really see that. Right. Like I, I believe you, this is your journey. This is your mind. Right. And so it really just, I mean, I can break down with you. I think um, it's nine parts. I don't have the list in front of me, but it's just see. So I break down people's lives into nine parts. So let me just do it. It's emotional, physical, mental, spiritual, financial, career, familial, time, and social. Those are the nine categories. And it does not matter how old you are. So my youngest client right now is 18, actually. Um, and my oldest, I want to say, is I think he's 67. They all fall into that Venn diagram, all of them. And what I do is we quickly go through those nine groups and you just kind of see where you're at. And it's funny, I actually just started with a 40-day program last week with a client of mine who said, I really thought I was doing great on time. But then we had a conversation. I realized I'm like, terrible time. And so what's fascinating is how I really show you your life and you can step back and kind of take a panoramic view and go like, wait a minute, the thing that I actually thought I was amazing at, I'm not. And the thing that I don't think I was amazing at, I'm actually pretty good. I love that. Yeah. Like just uh, kind of an awakening, like checking, looking in all at once and kind of surveying like what what is it yeah because I feel like sometimes unless we take that time to reflect or you know have somebody leading us then we're just kind of in our you know everyday day-to-day and we don't really realize what it is so um what was I going to ask you next oh do you do your sessions then is it mostly in person or online or do you do both or what does that look like it's all via zoom you know that was the biggest blessing of COVID was, you know, having been a therapist, I really have more or less a time frame of which I, what I expected people's healing process to look like. It literally doubled how fast it happened during COVID. And I went like, what? How is that possible? Until I realized you being in your own home, your own space, your own bed, your, your mind doesn't have to occupy itself with anything other than healing you, you're in a complete state of relaxation and calm. When you come into my office, you have to be like, oh my God, I have to bring tissues. I don't want to cry here because I have to go out in public and then I have to go to, right? Like, so all the other moving elements, whereas if you're just in your own space and your own time, the only thing that shows up is your actual conscious, nothing else, there's no other moving part. And it was magnificent. So I just stuck with Zoom. Um, like, my clients take off. It's unlike anything I experienced prior. I know what a blessing, such a blessing in the, the zoom thing. It's like, that's it really why is. I started the podcast. Yeah. Like would I have yeah. ever started a podcast if it wasn't 
I don't know, during COVID and like, I don't have to have a studio. I don't have to fly in guests and put them into hotels. I don't have to do any of that. I can just like sit in this spare bedroom in my home and talk with them incredible people that are all over the world and have them share their stories. And it was like, oh my gosh, like, thank goodness that this was the timing that it happened in because then all of the possibilities um, and opportunities just, just dropped in where I think if, if it was in different timing, I might've like hard stop that thinking of all the logistics about it. So I love that people can, like you say, be in, in their own state, right. Relaxed when they first come in, they, you know, all of that other getting safe and feeling comfortable and all that isn't really taking up the time or the brain space. You can just really dive in. Absolutely. It's amazing. Yeah. So is there anything um, else that has like really surprised you that's come out of this um, journey? I know you said in the beginning, like you knew that you were going to have your child at 35. You knew that you were going to be a therapist in some way, whatever that was. Is there anything now like looking forward that you have like this intuitive um, feeling about that's, that's coming next for you or. I mean, I really hope a couple of things. Um, my goal is really to unify all healers. I really feel myself being a healer and to really create a platform um, where healers are kind of taken out of the shadows. Uh, that really is my next step um, in terms of where I want to go. And I, I mean, I really hope I just get to heal the world and as many people as possible. That's what I, I really see myself going. Um, just acquiring more and more wisdom and helping more and more people and really offering on a large scale um, a way to heal yourself that isn't Western medicine. Mm, and what do you think is going to happen when there is like a collective of people who are, are actually doing the work and going inward and finding someone to help them heal? How is that going to change the way that things currently are right now people don't trust themselves and they don't trust their bodies so you go to your doctor and your doctor says oh i i saw in the mri right like your back is inflamed and the person goes but my back doesn't hurt right and i'm not not saying that there isn't inflammation there but what i am saying is the person might say that's interesting my back doesn't hurt but it is inflamed i wonder what emotion is attached to that and is it coming from someplace else we are so hyper-focused on the body and not the connection from the body to the mind and the entire nervous system. And so what I want to do is take everybody out of, right now we see Western medicine as the one-all be-all, right? Like you go to the doctor, told you your back is inflamed, you got to run over to Walgreens and pay a ton of pharmaceuticals, right? And get your medication. And while I'm saying that may be absolutely necessary, let's look at all the different avenues and do a collective holistic healing so that in six months, right? Like you see the Colgate commercial where like, I went back to the doctor and he said, I don't have any cavities, right? Like, like <laughs> it's the same thing, right? Like you go back to the doctor and he's like, oh, wow, we just, we just took an MRI. The inflammation is completely gone. And you can say, yeah, I took medication medication because I was in pain. But at the same time, I went on an entire other journey of real healing in other areas. And I'm so relieved that you're here to confirm and in fact, I actually healed that area entirely. 
Mm, what a gift that is to to so to to people that it it can get that deep, right? Like the mind body yeah. connection. Because yes, we have this physical yeah. body, but yeah. so many of the ailments that we have are connected to the mind, right? One hundred percent. So yeah. I love that you're doing that for people. So um I think that you're doing yeah (laughs) your journey is so beautiful I love how um everything has kind of led you to to where you are today where you kind of thought you'd be and I can't wait to see you know where you end up going um but where can everybody connect with you find you book a session with you keep up to date with what's going on where can we all find you Absolutely. On BeverlyHillsLifeCoach.com. Um, I'm on there. I have a website and feel free. You know, that's, that's where I'm at. <laughs> okay. Awesome. <laughs> Lovely. So right now you currently have like a 40 day program and what else, what yeah. are some of your other offerings that people might want to tap into? So if you only want to do a glasses of the session, I have that. If you want to just do a life coaching session, I have that. If you want to do if you do one session with me and say, you know, I really want to do this, then I would sign you up for a month where we would meet four times that month um, and just kind of see how that goes. If you say to me, I love the month, I really want to go super deep, let's do the 40 days, let's do the 40 days. Um, and I'm that person, I'm not for anything. So I was always that person that would find something and email the person privately and be like, listen, I really love this, but could we do like, you know, like throw some extra marshmallows in there, you know what I mean? So like if anybody reads my thing and says, oh, I love this, but I, you know, I want strawberries on the side, email me. I'm totally open. You know what I mean? I love that. I think it allows for creativity and for me to be completely open to other options all the time. And so while I have created that, if somebody wants something else, email me and I will definitely let you know. Okay. I love that. Yes. Add the marshmallows, add the strawberries, maybe a um, some caramel sauce, whatever it is that you want. And mm-hmm. I love that you're open to that. Cause sometimes it's like, Ooh, this sounds really good. But what if this like tweaked it this little bit to make it work for me? So yeah. yes, absolutely. I'm going to link that in the, in the show notes, but, um, I'm so excited to, you know, hear how things continue to grow and evolve for you. And, Thank you. um, so happy that so many people are really going to be able to to step in to who they are and feel so aligned and so healed. Cause when you get to that place, oh, it just is like freedom. So free. Freedom. Literally like George Michael, like just felt that song out. Right? It's, like, <laughs> 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 it's really what it is. I, I, really, I tell my clients that like the actual work sometimes is incredibly painful, but there is true freedom that lies on the other side. Oh, I love that. Okay. So if anybody's looking yeah. for a little bit more freedom, um, reach out to Molly and see if maybe you're a good fit and she can help you get to the other side of the healing. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being on. I love talking with you. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Yes, absolutely. The pleasure was all mine. Thank you for joining me on today's episode of all things relatable. If you know someone that would relate to this episode and get value from it, please pass it along. Also, if this episode resonated with you, I would love for you to rate, review, and subscribe. 